Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Hello, Pelicans fans, and welcome to The Bird Calls, the official podcast of SB Nation's TheBirdRights.com. I am David Grubb, and I'm joined by Kevin Barrios, David Fisher, and our editor-in-chief, Mr. Ali Cosell. So, guys, welcome. This is part three of our ongoing series, looking at possible destinations for Anthony Davis as part of a trade package for the six-time All-Star. Today, we examine the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers, the, the team that started it all in many regards, uh, the West Coast, La La Land. Of Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Of course, uh, we know the Lakers were on AD's list of preferred destinations, uh, you know, wanting a winning culture, wanting a team. <laughs> 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 Apparently that dog That's does absolutely not like the Lakers. Does <laughs> not like the All right. So here we are, post-draft uh, lottery. Uh, Lakers situation. One thing we know about the uh, Los Angeles Lakers is that they are desperate. Uh, year two, heading into year two with LeBron James. They uh, missed the playoffs last season for the sixth consecutive year. They uh, did not get the top pick in the lo lottery, as we know. They finished fourth in the lottery. Um, they did move up, but of course they wanted to win. They need, it, they need a superstar and they need one now because of the LeBron James timetable. Time so certainly, and we know that there is mutual interest between AD um, and the Lakers. So before we get into our actual trade propositions and thoughts, Ali, I'm going to start with you. When you handicap the field right now, where would you have the Lakers ranked as far as a possible destination? And where would you have them ranked as a probable destination for Anthony Davis? Hmm. 
They're going to be towards the bottom in both categories for me. Uh, first thing that we've got to mention, everybody, is a simple fact that they wanted to make a deal before the trade line. That's why I think, personally, last summer, they signed everybody to all these one-year deals, right? They were getting ready to flip anybody and everybody they could to add that star talent around LeBron. And, of course, they wanted to chase nobody harder, and they did, than Anthony Davis. So now they don't have any of those contracts. So now it makes it interesting because straight up, with what the Lakers have on the books for next season, you can't come up with a deal that will work money-wise for Anthony Davis. So there's going to have to be sort of like almost like a Chris Paul thing maybe they do. I'm not quite sure if they can do that before uh, free agents, or, yeah, before free agency hits where they add a bunch of salary um, to you know basically have trade fodder, or are we going to have to wait until much later uh, to have a deal done for Anthony Davis? So the likelihood of something happening – I think, you know, I think it's under 10%. Um, as to the probable part, well, that depends. And I think that all depends on what David Griffin gets, you know, now. What are teams offering? What are they willing to give up? So if it's a decent haul, like what we, I think, honestly should expect to a great haul, which is what he's going to ask for, um, if that's not there, then the chances go up, obviously, for the Lakers. Kevin, um, one of the big things that's been problematic uh, is that the Lakers' core of young players uh, doesn't seem to be as attractive as many people thought that they would be at the start of last season. Uh, does that their lack of uh, development for a lot of these players and some of them their injury histories, does that concern you in making any possible deals with the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, I think – one thing that's hindering this trade also is that Gail Benson is breathing. That's just a joke. I mean, I'm joking. <laughs> there was a report that she said over her dead body. I guess I shouldn't make jokes about that because people will take it serious that she feels that way. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it does affect things. I think I worked out a trade where that sort of mitigates that a little bit. But also, um, I think it also makes them have to pay even more, you know, because the prize of the package was always Brandon Ingram. And now Brandon Ingram's career is in question a little bit, you know, because while it's being reported now, it seems like he can make a full recovery and be fine. The fact that, you know, it sort of ended Chris Bosch's career, the same sort of issue. And, you know, it's a scary issue that could creep up at any time, I guess. So, you know, it, it makes you, you're, you're like taking on a gamble. And I feel like, if I was taking on a gamble, I would want that gamble piece to be like a added bonus, sort of like we talked about in the Denver trade where Michael Porter Jr. is, if it works out, if he can come back from his injuries, then that's that added bonus. Uh, whereas now you're talking about the top piece being like the, the guy in question. And I don't know if that's something that you, that's very desirable for a team trying to build a young core going forward. So, um, Dave, now that we've talked about a couple of those issues, A, the, the whole impression of just the animosity that goes back between the two franchises, though, like Kevin said, I don't think David Griffin would cut his nose off to spite his face if the Lakers did have the best deal available. But going back to Ollie's original thing, at this point, looking at the way the lottery fell, looking at what the Lakers have, um, is there any way – before we get into our actual trades, do you, do you see it um, the best way for this deal to be made to be a straight-up deal, or would the Lakers have to get a third team involved? 
Um, well, I mean, it can work as a straight-up deal because the, the Lakers can accept them into cap space. So, I mean, I mean, if, as far the as Lakers the assets are, you get back, if the, the, the to get good enough assets for Davis, do you think that the Lakers need to either bring a third team in to add picks or a third team in to bring more talent? Do you think that would be something that they'd have to pursue? Um, I, I'm not high on the Lakers players, but mm-hmm. that's less they're not good basketball players and more they're not basketball players I want to root for. And I, I don't know how else to explain that. I don't feel like either Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma fit as players that I want to be alongside um, Zion Williamson. Brandon Ingram has the added issues of a severe medical, a, a serious, not a severe, a serious medical condition. And the fact that he's, he's coming up on time to decide if you're going to pay him or not. And I don't think you'd have him here long enough one season to be able to make a sufficiently educated decision on that. And I haven't seen what I need to see, but there is a path I think to make this straight up. And the path that that's going to be before we dig too deep into it is to play a little inside baseball here on um, specifically the stipend rule. Um, to explain that first, um, once mm-hmm. upon a time in the 1980s, the Cleveland Cavaliers were owned by a man named Stipian, and he Ted was Stipe. trading his first round. Correct. And he was he was trading his uh, first round picks left and right because all he was worried about is cashing those checks. And so the NBA literally had to make a rule to keep from owners being cheap. And that rule is that you cannot owe consecutive draft picks. Now, the way the Lakers can get around this rule and to trade the Pelicans, their 2019 and 2020 first-round draft pick, is that they make the 2019 pick first because then they're trading a player, not a draft pick. So that's going to be pretty much the foundation for the Lakers trade in my mind is the Pelicans get the fourth pick and the Pelicans get a 2020 pick from the Lakers and the Pelicans get a 2022 pick from the Lakers. Those other two picks with minimal protections. So you feel like, Hey, we're getting three draft picks and we have multiple first round picks in the future. That's, that's the starting point because I don't think the Pelicans and I, feel like especially when you're talking about Pelican fans, not very sold on the Lakers players that they'd be sending out. Yeah, I think the emotion part of it is is one of the harder things about it because we can get into we'll, we'll all get into the players and, and the money and all those things in just a second. But I do think you're right. It's a hard sell. It's a hard sell to the fans to to that if after all of this has gone down, um, unless that deal is overwhelmingly good. I think it's a very hard uh, sell to make to Pelicans fans to send Anthony Davis to the Lakers and then bring in these guys. But since you were the last one to go, Dave, I want you to go ahead and give us your deal um, and break it down. Okay, so I'm going to – honestly, mine is going to be a straight-up deal right now. Um, I think we'll we'll dive into more when you guys start talking about how we can swing third teams into this and things like that. But the the deal that I'm looking at right now between the Pelicans and the Lakers would be everything that the Lakers offered in February, all of it. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, 
the 2019 pick, the 2020 pick with minimal protections. Maybe you could talk me into top four protections on that. But if I'm David Greffin, especially that next pick is the one where I want minimal protections because if I don't think Lonzo Ball is the point guard of the future, if you're looking at the 2020 draft class, multiple point guards that could be the point guard of the future. And then the 2022 pick from the Lakers as well. The Lakers, the Lakers do it because they've already alienated half of those young guys. And they just want to get an AD and then they'll have LeBron and they'll have AD and they'll do the same thing that uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers really did is they'll try to use the allure of LeBron James to have veterans who are going to be able to space the floor around the three of those guys come in on relatively minimal contracts. So that's the deal that I would do is, yeah, I want all of it. Just, just send it all. And then if I'm David Griffin, maybe I'll have to reroute those guys later. Kevin, what's your uh, thoughts on, on that particular package? And, and then can you go into yours? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's basically the package they offered to begin with. And it's not really, I mean, obviously we didn't want that package last season. Um, for many reasons, especially I think now that you have Zion, you don't want you you can't have a point guard that can't shoot next to Drew Holiday and, and Zion because you you need somebody to create some spacing. And Drew's gotten you know he's up and down as a shooter, but I wouldn't rely on him as a shooter, and he's definitely not the kind of shooter that's going to create space for anybody. Um, so having Lonzo next to him there and and Zion out out on the perimeter is just you know, there's not going to be any room for anybody to move because everybody can sag off. Uh, so I think that doesn't really fit well. And then also Ingram isn't a consistent shooter. I mean, if you get Hart, Hart's a pretty good shooter, but he's probably not going to start. Um, so, you know, it just it's a lot of problems. So, I mean, I think we don't really want that. I think we can all agree that we don't really want that. We, you know, the picks are what sells it for you. And if you're really high on somebody with the fourth pick, then great um, if that's good enough for you. And, and the future picks, and then maybe you can auction off things there. And that's kind of what I did in my trade, um, which is, you know, it's all based off the same baseline. But for me, Davis goes to the Lakers, and we've heard talks about Chicago wanting ball. So ball goes to Chicago for that seventh pick. Um, and, and that seventh pick comes back to us. Um, we get Ingram, Hart, we get Chris Dunn sort of a placeholder point guard, which we discussed in another, in the Chicago trade as well. Um, we get the 2019 pick from the Bulls, which is the seventh. We get the fourth pick from the Lakers. Uh, we get the, their, the Lakers first pick in 2023 when LeBron starts to break down, that's probably going to be a better pick, you know? And then the other wrinkle I have here is, it's either you could add a fourth team or you could take Kuzma to do this later on. Whereas I, I have it right now as Portland, but there's a number of teams that I think this works for where you send Kuzma to Portland and I have us getting back their 2020 pick because Kuzma, he's a, he's a decent scorer. He's young and he's on a very cat friendly contract. So any of these like sort of contending teams that need some more front court scoring, I feel like you could trade him for a pick that they think is going to be you know, in the mid to high twenties. Um, so, you know, or, or just even like a team like Washington that just has so much salary, but needs bodies 
um, you might be able to flip them for, a, you know, a, a protected or a, or a late uh, first round pick, um, which would give you. So at the end, the Pelicans will walk away with Ingram, Hart, Dunn, uh, the fourth and seventh pick in this draft, the first uh, round pick from the Lakers in 2023, and then another first round pick from whatever team you auction Kuzma off to. Now, within that, you could either take, hang on, I got to get my dog out of here. <laughs> Come on, get out of here. Uh, we take a so, brief. There yeah, go. sorry about that. Uh, so you could either with the fourth and seventh pick take whatever combination of uh, Darius Garland, Kobe White, DeAndre Hunter, Jarrett Culver that you want. You know, two of those. I mean, you're going to be able to get two of those four players for sure. Sorry. Or you could maybe, you know, test the waters with Memphis to see if you could uh, jump up to number mm-hmm. two and get John Morant. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's what makes this Lakers deal appealing. But you have to get that other pick from Chicago, I Chicago. think. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. There, you know, the ultimately the player value for the Lakers does seem to be in being able to move them on to other places. Because again, like we've talked about now, with Zion being the presumed number one pick, that everything has to be around fitting and making it work for him. And like you said, every one of the Lakers basically coming back um, has some issue offensively. So, yeah, it, it, it's tough to, to see keeping that whole halt. Ali, um, what do you think about that, just the, the lack of fit by the Lakers roster? And then, and then what do you think uh, they can offer for the Pelicans to make it an offer they can't refuse? Well, I think you're going to have to involve a third team is going to be the first thing. Um, I just don't see how you can entice the Falcons enough and David Griff with all those draft picks. Now, one thing I was I wanted to get to, and I'm glad Fish mentioned right off the bat, was uh, renouncing a whole bunch of the cap holds, you know, everybody that was on a one-year salary. And, of course, the, Pel- or the Lakers are likely to go that route. I mean, that's going to be the only way for them to really add some, you know, good players and all that. But I, I do want to mention, though, they've got some interesting things they've got to worry about, like Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Mike Muscala and Reggie Bullock. So I think they're going to be in the most interesting position um, when they're not getting like, let me say confirmations from free agents. Let's say nobody comes knocking on the door and free agency, nobody gives them that hundred percent agreement that they're going to show up and play for the Lakers. Then, then they're going to be in the bind. I feel like, so it's just going to be interesting, but either way, they're going to have to add talent and they're going to have to do it through interesting means. And I think that's going to involve, like I said, a third team, because if the Pelicans, the only way you're going to entertain on, on getting them to make a deal with you is by getting more stuff that the Pelicans would want. So that's why I, I added for, for just the hell of it, the Orlando magic. I feel like, you know, you got to look at teams that are going to want to have a point guard. And I just don't think the Phoenix is going to want to, you know, do a deal with both the Lakers and the Pelicans. And it's hard to foresee a, a three team trade in the Western conference to begin with. So I looked out East Orlando just stands right out for you because they've got, you know, great depth at a lot of positions outside of the guards. So I think you route Lonzo Ball to them. And then, you know, I'm hearing that Nikola Vucevic is going to resign in Orlando, that he wants to stay there. So if he's staying and, you know, they, they liked what Eric Gordon still brings and they're going to keep him. And Jonathan Isaac actually made some, you know, promising development this year, even though in the playoffs, he, he, he was down his luck. Siakam really overwhelmed him in that short playoff series. But I think they're still high on him. So that kind of leaves Mo Bamba out. 
So I think the Pelicans should obviously maybe go chase him. I think that would make for a very good get because this guy has shown maybe he could develop, you know, an outside shot to go with all this talents, of course, he brings inside the paint. So that's why I'm targeting. So Lonzo Ball goes to Orlando. Orlando's willing to give him up. He goes to the Pelicans. Uh, the only thing going to the Lakers, obviously, is AD. And then we are also getting Ingram and Kuzma and a couple first-round picks. Of course, the fourth pick of this year's draft. And then, like Kevin, I like the fact that we chase something a little bit later. Unless, of course, they're willing to give up what Fish said. You know, you ask for everything. And let's see if they'll give it to you. But if they don't, ask for something towards the end of LeBron's tenure up there. Because they, they could be even worse than what they are now. That's true. And let's just sort of reconfirm just some of the shooting numbers we have for this team, for the, for the Lakers. <clears throat> Kyle Kuzma, uh, 30% from three-point range. Uh, Josh Hart, 33%. Uh, Lonzo Ball, 33%. Um, Reggie Bullock, 34%. Uh, let's see. Um, who else are we missing here? Brandon Ingram, 33%. So, yeah, not a lot of great shooters um, in that group. So, um, Ollie, what that you gave your final deal. So, I guess it's on me now, right? Yeah, I forgot to include Josh Josh Hart too. Sorry, I'm looking at this. Yeah, I, I, I my deal is kind of crappy because I just don't. I, yeah, I'm like you guys. I don't really think a, the picks to me are better than anything the Lakers can give you personnel wise. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think you've you know if they can give you that four and the seven, sure, it becomes a lot more interesting. Without that. I don't think there's enough ones for them to give you because, again, yeah, the value of them is mostly low. You're only getting one uh, lottery pick guaranteed. So the four players I included were guys that I thought um, – three that I thought you could move and then one that I thought could be worth a shot at keeping because of his value. So Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and I think, all, again, like you guys, all three of those are movable assets because of their contracts, because there are teams who like what they can do. The guy that I would give a shot on to, to to keep around is Mo Wagner. You know, six foot ten, spaces the floor. Um, had came on after the All Star break. Um, at his salary, he could be that that stretch four that they don't have on the roster right now, or he Where could be a good one off the bench. Uh, just <laughs> Michigan, uh, you know. But you saw, the last the last that. game, the last game he was here. He played very well, and, and I'm just but the second half of the season he got more time and played well. But again, I'm saying as a shot, I'm not saying he's a, he's a guy that I think is going to be a star or a starter. And we're all saying that basically the general consensus here is that none of these players blow up our skirts, right? Yeah, right. So I guess that where that leaves me then is is there enough desperation possible? Because the, the Pelicans have no desperation when it comes to the Lakers. They have no urgency, no rush to make a deal because we know the assets are low. I mean, for me, I feel like if you get four and seven and at least one more pick uh, in the but future. But it's got to be four and seven, right? Yeah, it's got to be four and seven, yeah. one more pick in the future. And, you know, I'd be happy to test out Ingram, um, you know, and then maybe like a guy like Kuzma come over that you could again, like I said, flip or add to make or like to dump Solomon Hill's contract or something like that. Um, I think that's an okay deal. Um, it's not my favorite, you know. I prefer the Denver deal over these deals, unless you're guaranteed that you can move up to two and get John Morant. But I don't know that Memphis would do that even for four and seven. Um, so 
Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I mean, it, I'll it be just, honest. I think that the Lakers were. I mean, we saw that they were headed for the playoffs until LeBron got hurt. They, I they just were, don't believe it. Yeah, but how high? It. How high they get like fourth? What I'm, what I'm alluding to is that I don't really want all their future picks either. I mean, everybody's saying, "Oh, you can get like three future first rounders." It's not that enticing to me, honestly, because somebody's going to end up in LA, right? I know that they didn't get Paul George. Eventually, Leonard supposedly doesn't want to go there. Durant neither, you know. But he's going to get somebody. You just got to feel like he is. Maybe Demarcus Cousins. I mean, I don't know. And add a, another couple. Play- I know, laugh, Dave. But seriously, they're going to get somebody. You don't need that much around LeBron. So I'm with you guys 100. You don't get that four and seven. I think Lakers is just a no deal. Period. I mean, I'll be flat out honest. I don't want to see any deal with them if you can't get two positive, and I mean super positive assets in return for AD. Because outside of the number four pick, there's not one on that roster right now. So well, here, yeah. What well, I would say is like we're talking about the desperation of the Lakers to do this deal. That's why if I'm David Griffin, I tell the Lakers, you need to figure out where you're routing your guys because I don't want them, and mm-hmm. then tell me the assets that I'm getting in return. It's on you to build the rest of the deal because what I'm telling you right now is what you're offering me isn't enough, and if you think that the things that you're trading me are so valuable, then go put them out on the rest of the market and blow up your chemistry in your locker room even more because all those deals are going to get leaked because you're the Lakers. You're, you're the, Lakers, <laughs> the only thing is, right? David, my counter to that is look how bad their front office handled everything. Do you want to put what potentially could maybe be a good trade in the hands of a worse GM, or would you rather sort of handle it yourself? No, and I, and I, and I want the Lakers to have to do the legwork to build the trade. Because when all of those names keep on popping up in the news cycle, if I'm David Griffin, I'm going back to the Knicks and I'm going back to the Celtics and I'm going back to the Clippers. And, you, and I tell them, look at all the possible rumors you're hearing out here that, oh, Lonzo Ball might get the seventh pick. Who do you think the seventh pick's coming to? It's coming to me. So that's another thing that you have to bid against now. That's what I would, that's what I would treat it as. I want the Lakers to have to go and build this trade find the assets out there for the players that they were going to trade me because I tell them I don't want those. Give me something better. <clears throat> and then the, the media churn that's going to go about that is me building my leverage because the other teams know that the Lakers are this serious. All the stuff is still on the table. Rob Polinka is indeed incompetent, and so he's going to throw everything at me. So Danny Age, you need to come with you need to come with a good offer to the table. You can't just hope that, oh, my C-minus or my C-plus offer is going to be good enough because no one's bidding against it. So that, it, that, that's my And then ahead, in the ahead, end, I'll... I don't trade the Lakers any. Anyways, that's, that's, right. that's my thing. Yeah, the obvious next question, though, is, okay, so we don't value the Lakers' assets, but who, who values them? David, what do you think is seriously the likelihood that Palenka, whoever helps him, obviously, over there, can get a deal, you know, enough deals accomplished to where they can entice Griffin enough? Because I don't see it. I mean, do you think that there's more interest in Kuzma think, and Ingram outside of, you know, our team? I think Kuzma and Ball, Ball has, people are really interested in Ball because of the things, again, he can push the ball, he can rebound, he plays incredible defense. We saw the impact that the Lakers' defense had um, when he was sidelined. So I think that people figure, and his shooting did get better last year. I mean, he went from under 30% to 
to 33% as a three-point shooter last season. So I think people are hoping that if he can stay injury-free for a season, that he can make a jump. And point guard is one of those things that, one of those positions that tends to take a little bit longer to develop historically. Let me, um, I think, sorry. oh, go ahead. I was going to say, let me ask you this. Are we shooting too low with Chicago as a trade partner? Could, exactly. You think Phoenix maybe that six would want ball? I mean, like you said, you know, his defense and passing and his not his need to not score might be he might be the perfect side partner to Devin Booker. Um, that's but, the thing. That, that's the thing for me is the fact that Lonzo Ball is actually a good basketball player. He has talent. He has skill. He doesn't sit with Zion. But if you put him on a team like Phoenix where they're a little more shooting heavy and what they really need is someone competent to be a point guard, he fits To there. take Booker so off the ball. So I can get some assets, mm-hmm. you know, from Phoenix in that, in that way. And then when we're talking about, because I'm not high on Brandon Ingram at all, but I think a team that might be high on Ingram who wants another wing to add to their collection might be either, um, well, I'll just jump right to it. If you can route Ingram to Indiana, where Indiana's looking at their roster and they have two bigs, that there's a legitimate concern of, can we play these two guys together in the playoffs? Well, why don't you get us yourself a, a starting small forward in Brandon Ingram and then send us whichever big man you don't want, either Turner or Sabonis. And if the Lakers are going to throw all those picks, maybe you attach a pick to Ingram to make that happen. I don't think you would need to. I think Ingram for Sabonis straight up might be a thing that works because of what it does for Indiana. And then you bring Sabonis into New Orleans. And if you tell me that I'm getting, I have to deal with Kuzma and then I have Ball, I mean, Kuzma and Hart, and then the four pick, the six pick, and Sabonis, well, now I'm I'm interested. Now I'm interested, but you have to, the Lakers have to do legwork there for me. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The the Lakers' biggest job now, I guess, for the as far as the Pelicans concerned, is to be the dummy at the table during a poker game who just keeps putting chips in, even though they probably don't have a hand that can win. So, I mean, yeah, the Lakers, like you said, Dave, to to raise that price to make sure that you can keep going to other teams and say, these people really want this and they are willing to overpay. And that's what the Lakers have to do to get this anyway. So you want them to be in that position. So you can go back, like you said, to those other teams. Let's rank. Oh, I, oh go ahead. On. I, yeah. I, I dropped one. So I was talking about routing Ingram. Another place you might be able to route Ingram to would be Denver. If you tell Denver, okay, we're not getting a point guard back in this deal yet. Can we get something that's relatively cheap, like Monty Morris and a flyer on Michael Porter Jr. if you take Brandon Ingram? Because they still, you know, they might look at their roster and say, hey, we still kind of have a hole here at small forward. We're playing Torrey Craig and we're playing Will Barton and et cetera. Brandon Ingram might be enough of an upgrade for them where they think that that gives them the next step. And then the Pelicans can get competence at point guard in Monty Williams. I mean, um, Monty Morris, who can, you know, run a Alvin Gentry offense for you. And then you're getting that possible all NBA talent in Michael Porter Jr. if he can be healthy. 
All right, so just to go back, this is our fifth team that we've covered. Um, I'm going to give you the teams that we've gone through. We're going to say, uh, I just want you guys to let me know, Lakers better or worse than the offers we discussed uh, for these teams. Let's start with Toronto. Lakers better or worse? Kevin. I'm going to say the Lakers is better. I like the player. I like Pascal Siakam more than anything I would be getting from the Lakers. But because of what I could possibly do with the Lakers players with other teams to to build a real cachet of draft picks, uh, I think the Lakers trade is better than Toronto's trade today. All right, Ali, I'm gonna give you the Nets better or worse for the Lakers. Oh, that that that's worse. I mean, if the Nets are will, really want to go after Anthony Davis, they have the assets that are definitely a lot more attractive. <laughs> Especially if, I mean, you can go either with LaVert or a package around him or uh, D'Angelo Russell. All right, Dave, I give you Denver. Lakers better or worse? If Denver's willing to include Jamal Murray, the Lakers don't have a chance. But it all hinges on that. If, if, if Jamal Murray's not in the trade, then there's, there's more hope on the Lakers then. I think for me, for Chicago, I'd probably say that I like, again, I like Chicago's talent better. If you could get Laurie Markkinen or Wendell Carter, um, I think it, those are better. Those two players' ceilings are higher than any of the ones that the Lakers have to offer right now. So Lakers really have to come with those intangible assets of picks and um, pe- people who can get moved to third parties, To it, it looks like, for them to get back in the mix. I think um, one thing that makes this little game that we just did a little hard is the f- fact that it's pretty safe to say that the Lakers will give us anything we ask for. Whereas the sure. other teams, you have quite like, yes, if I'm getting Laurie Markinen, that's a better deal. But would the Bulls give me him? Yeah. I don't think so. Um, you know, like, so it makes it a little bit more difficult. But um, yeah, and so. I don't know. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, it's like you said, this is an intellectual exercise because so many factors will go into whatever these offers are eventually. I guess it's it's just from the perspective of, yeah, if, if you just had to look at straight up, look at these two, the two rosters comparatively, and you could pick from either one and take what you wanted. I, I guess our consensus is that the Lakers have a ways to go, um, even though you're correct. Their their desperation means that they will give you anything and everything that you want to make this happen, even if that isn't necessarily what you want. Well, it sounds like, and David Fisher is absolutely right. They're going to have to do all the gymnastics to make a deal happen. Because I mean, we, we didn't even mention that Brandon Ingram's only got one more um, year on his deal after, obviously, this year. Uh, and I'm not sure if he'd want to stay in New Orleans. We already know Lonzo Ball doesn't want to come here. Uh, and Kyle Kuzma, I mean, he's got two more years. Too, though, Ollie. But, you What's know, you got to factor in that all that stuff was said before we got Zion. So those things could possibly change. That's true. Yeah. Um, and, and the perception of the organization has changed. Yeah. Also that, you know, the training staff, the GM, well, the president. Well, all, all I will say is that, honestly, Alvin Gentry once told me this, that Lonzo Ball's the real deal, that he can be almost a centerpiece in any kind of big deal. There's a lot of high, you know, high um, expectations for this kid. As David, you've already alluded to, we even talked, I remember sitting in the media row back in December, like thinking of packages, right? And I remember you specifically pointed out Lonzo Ball after we we had just talked about Ben Simmons. 
And I know a few people looked at you kind of funny, but, you know, Lonzo Ball is really regarded highly in this league. So, yeah, if, if he was to suddenly want to stay here, I guess that would change things. Especially yeah, Alvin. Think- yeah, Alvin, you were, I mean, I remember that conversation clearly with Alvin, and Alvin said that he believed that if that if the Pelicans had made that deal, that Lonzo would thrive in his offense, that he could do everything basically Rondo could do, um, mm-hmm. just doesn't have the experience, exactly. but just the ability to see, to run the tempo, to defend out on the perimeter. He was like, oh, I, I, he's like, he would love it here. He would love it. I mean, Alvin was just like giddy. About that, yeah, about yeah because he had every reason Rondo. to be. Because once Rondo walked out the door, when you have just Drew Hawley and Anthony Davis as your two main guys, you need that type of facilitator. You know, things are going to change now with Zion, obviously. But before, yeah, now does ball make as much sense? I think, David, I think you just mentioned that fish. About, or was it you, Kevin? How much does ball actually now fit with Zion? Yeah, that's the thing. But I, yeah. I think with this, yeah. for the Lakers, I think the, the thing that I'm – I'm not as down on the Lakers trade as I was initially and it is because they got the four pick. And I just think there's a lot of chances to create a, like a sort of paint a blank slate for David Griffin to operate with because you can trade those other pieces or have them trade other pieces where you can get, you can pick and choose things from other teams to be included in this. Whereas when you're dealing with any other team, you know, I know those things get trickier, but when you're dealing with any other team, you're just looking at their roster and what the picks that they have. Mm-hmm. Whereas, where these players, I think you could definitely get a first for Lonzo Ball. I think you could get a you know a protected or late round uh, or a late first round pick for for Kuzma, and you yeah. could probably get a first for Ingram uh, as well. I mean, you could definitely get a pick for Ingram, a first round pick for Ingram, if it wasn't for the medical issues, um, maybe more. Um, so I think plus the other picks you're going to get from LA to begin with. So that way, you know, it's just so much that you could, you know, have your hands in and how the roster is constructed and not really necessarily rely on what one individual team has. And that's why I think it's a little bit more attractive to me now than it was. I still, my top choice is still the Clippers. That's my my favorite uh, one, and I really like Denver. And of course, uh, Boston and New York are great. Any of those mm-hmm. four, I really like. But this Lakers trade is very intriguing to me because of all the side movement that you can do with it. Yeah, one other thing we got to remember and remind the audience too is that David Griffin always talks about fit, and we already know by you know some of the conversations he's had of how important the word he's like-mindedness quite a bit when describing Drew Holiday and Zion. Well, whoever comes to play alongside Drew Holiday, which, you know, we all kind of, you know, could read between the lines and say it's Zion. So that's what they're looking for. That's another thing. So when you're talking about just a bunch of young players, I don't think he would jump all over that at all. I think they already have to show something or be trending towards something. I don't think Ingram or Kuzma would fit the long-term vision of uh, David Griffin quite possibly. I want to jump in on specifically on the fourth pick because we've already talked about this a little bit, but Jarrett Culver is the kind of guy in terms of like mentality that I want in the locker room as the co-cornerstone with Zion Zion Williamson. There is, again, questions on the shot. Um, The shot looks shaky, but that's something that can be rebuilt. Um, 
That's not a great bet. Let's let's be honest. But he loves defending. He's a creator. He's 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 a high basketball IQ guy. I was asking um, uh, a buddy on Twitter, Coles Wicker, who writes for the Stipian. Um, hey, who would you pair if you were going to pick a wing in this draft? Who would you pair um, with Zion Williamson between Culver and RJ um, Barrett? And he said, Culver, usually just bet on a basketball IQ when it's close. He's a better defender, passer, decision maker. RJ is a better shooter with his feet set, but Culver, I think, has more shot-making upside. A lot of it depends on Culver's upside game, but I like his overall approach more. And I dove back in and throughout our conversation about so much of it is about mentality and about the culture mm-hmm. that you build when you have your two, the two young guys that you're bringing in that this is kind of what's next for this franchise. Both of them love to defend and put it all out there. Mm-hmm. If you have that, it's going to permeate everything else that your organization is going to do in a way that taking a swing on Darius Garland, I don't feel like does. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. With That's another reason why I think the Lakers trade is way more attractive because if you get if you can get that seventh or sixth pick for Lonzo, then you're guaranteed to be able to get Culver, one of Culver, Hunter, Garland, and White. Well, you get two of them, you know? So mm-hmm. that that's like, that's such a boost right there to be able to bring in those guys that you think fit along Lonzo I mean, sorry, Zion, and then, you know, like you said, establish your culture early on and build around that. Now, what is the impact then? Let's say if you get the four, the six, Mm -hmm. so you're bringing in three lottery picks this season. Um, What's the impact then on the Drew Holiday situation? Because now it does look like you're doing a full youth movement. So if that's the case, how attractive are the Pelicans still to Drew Holiday? Uh, Ali? It would all depend on how this first year goes, obviously. As Griffin mentioned, he has not yet achieved remotely close to what he's wanted to. And that's obviously deep playoff runs, a championship. And he wants to be able to have a chance at all those before he retires. If this first year goes to where it's it's a lot of ups and downs and the Pelicans finish with, say, 20-25 wins, I think Drew's not going to want to stick around. I mean, unless the team really comes together and finishes on like some incredible streak and, you know, there's you can definitely read between lines that there's so many positives that this is going to be a good team with this existing core, then he would stay. But if not, then he would be out. And you're right. You've got three rookies you're investing in, Um, even though we all think Zion's going to be able to jump right in this league. Who's I mean, Culver's going to take a little bit of time, I think. So is obviously if you bring in really anybody else in this draft class. Outside of maybe John Moran. So, yeah, that, that's a great <laughs> question. Well, a um, counterpoint to that is that, okay, fine, but you keep Drew for the first year, and you who better to in, help install a defensive identity um, with those other two guys being the cornerstones going forward and then have Drew Holiday as a mentor for a year and then trade him the next offseason? Well, there's that, and then if you're bringing in a bunch of rookies that are cheap, you can still try to win now in the near future. You can invest – like there, there isn't a time, in my opinion, for the Pelicans to better 
send out some pretty big contracts for guys that are worth it, but some pretty big contracts than this season because you could have Drew and that other free agent signing that you're going to bring in, and then you keep the rest of the powder pretty clean with a bunch of rookies and things like that in, in, a, in a Lakers trade situation where we're talking about bringing in multiple rookies in addition to Zion. But you, if you still have Drew Holiday and another guy who's a legitimate number two and Zion, if you think, I mean, the three of them should be able to build confidence. And confidence might be 33 to 35 wins. We're not talking about the team mm-hmm. needs to bottom out and try to be at the top of the lottery every single year. But one of the errors of the Anthony Davis era was they immediately tried to accelerate the entire mm-hmm. timeline and everything was like, we need to win and we need to win this season. And when you tried to win every single season for six straight seasons and were short-sighted about it, then you get to the end and you look up and you don't have anything else to spend to make the team better. And that's the problem. Like if you invest now and you throw like a big three or a four year contract at a free agent and it works out pretty well, but through by maybe next summer or by the trade deadline after that in 2021 is looking up and saying, this isn't for me. Then you trade him for more, more assets that you're going to bring in to continue to bring in more young guys and more core around Zion. That's cheap. And you're still going to have plenty of cap space to continue to try to win near term. Whereas you keep on bringing the young guys because all you need is one or two more draft picks to hit around Zion. If you get one or two more draft picks to hit, then you're golden. You don't need to bottom out to do that. It helps if you trade for a lot of picks when you're trading out Anthony Davis. So you don't, you're not relying simply on yourself to bottom out and not necessarily that the, the, the picks you trade for have to be high picks in the, in the lottery. But if you get good value with that pick, if you know you get a, a, a not not to say Steph Curry, but if you get a, a solid player that's a starter and is a good number two beside Zion with the seventh or eighth pick, and it wasn't even your pick, you didn't. But have what's to the like- out to get there. Yep. But David, what's the likelihood of that? And I think we should use the OKC model. Russell Westbrook's first year, Kevin Durant had already been in the league for a year. They were terrible. They won like 29 games. The following year, they won like 50 games. When Harden was a rookie, Russell was in his first or second year, Durant in his third. Do you think, think that – do you think that Culver – no, honestly, besides Zion, do you think that any of these other guys, Culver, even though we're high on them, whoever else, Kobe White, do you think that those guys could honestly form like a threesome? And I'm not, I'm not talking about Drew. To where they could honestly – you know, conceivably in two or three years, win 50 games, because I don't. I think White is, Josh, is, is I really like Kobe ahead, White. Bro. I just say, I really like Kobe. I, I don't know if there are, again, we've had drafts before. We thought there weren't stars and guys emerged that didn't. But I think that to me, the ultimate thing here is, and I think Dave is right on this point, this is like making the Herschel Walker deal. It's not about the players you get back primarily. You know, some of those guys will stick. But the overwhelming majority is about the picks that you get and having the option to fail. Because but do I you think want these you know, picks in this draft or do you want them down the road? This, or, and I you think want the to future trade is them better. now is what I'm, to me, I the guess future is what I'm trying is to say. 
Yeah. Well, my, in my opinion, the, the next year and the year after picks are better than this year. Well, I don't want I don't want the draft. I don't want your draft picks to all be concentrated in a draft. Like I wouldn't want to have more than two first round draft picks in a single draft. But no. I'd like to have two first round draft picks this year. But it and sounds like year. you guys are happy and with Zion and two other picks in this first round of the top ten. So three in the top ten. And I'm, yeah, but, I'm trying to guess make the argument that I I don't. I don't want to go down that path. No, well, the oh, other no, thing I, is, though, in that trade that I'm saying is that you would also have those future draft picks still coming. Yeah. You know? And then these are also three top 10 picks. They're not just three current draft picks. You know, it's not like you got 28. You know what I mean? You could also even package the two to maybe move up to three or to two. Uh, or, you know, I think everybody really has those four guys that we keep talking in that range ranked pretty highly. So getting two of those guys, even if you want to trade one later on, if he's not a piece that you want to keep around, you know, at least you had some, because you're going to need some cheap bodies anyway this year, because you're not necessarily going to attract anybody. Um, sure, but you guys see what I'm asking though, right? Are we going to shoot the Pelicans load for Anthony Davis for this draft? This, you know, I mean, essentially. No, no. Okay. No. Okay. It's not no. This draft. I would. No. It's, it's not. It, to me, it's not this draft. I, give me Zion and give me Culver, and then if I get another pick, if I had, if, if for whatever reason the Pelicans would end up with a third first round pick mm-hmm. in this draft, like six or seven from Phoenix or Chicago, mm-hmm. I'm immediately trying to attach that to. Okay. Solomon That's what Hill's I was asking. Aspiring okay. contract or Solomon Hill and Etwan Moore someplace else and can i get like a legitimate immediate plug and play rotation player so we can win now gotcha because i don't think i don't think i don't think any nba team is the place where you want to have three lottery picks that all came on in on your team right now because they're all trying to make their place in the league and your coaching staff spread thin because there are so many players that need a lot more attention you can't just say hey go do your job and work you know, you don't want to yep. you don't want to divide that attention so much. So I wouldn't yeah, want it, more than two picks. If I get a third pick immediately, I'm trying to flip it. Yeah, I'm calling I'm calling Washington. Hey, are you trying to blow it up? You want to move on Bradley Beal? You want the sixth pick and then a couple expiring picks so that you're going to easily mm-hmm. get some flexibility here in the future. Um, you want some of those like the entirety of your future second round picks that we currently own like that that would be the thing for me is that if i get a third pick and i move that third pick but i would want bring me two rookies i want i want two swings of the axe in mm-hmm. the first round mm-hmm. for the next you know three drafts four or five years yeah yeah three of the next <laughs> like, four years is the way i'm looking yeah exactly yeah because okay. I, I think that's the whole thing is just to have that opportunity to because we know that most picks fail so the more picks you got in that first round, yeah, and and like you said, spread them out. You don't want a single year to go by where you you're. I mean, like you said, three out of four. I think that yeah, that's a great goal, Ali. I think three out of four would be awesome to have two multiple first rounds like that. Yeah. Now I'm happy I mean, that seven, fish. Ex- oh, go ahead. Now it's the sound. Just glad fish happy. Answer that question like that because we, for the while there, I was just listening to us and we were just talking about be grateful could just get the four and seven with any Lakers deal. And I don't want fans thinking that that's our ultimate goal. This is to throw everything into this draft. 
That's all. Oh, no, no, so no, I'm no, glad, no, no. Yeah, I'm glad we uh, answered that. Yeah, because I think ultimately what we would like, like Kevin said, if the dream is if you have the four and the seven to be able to get Memphis to say, sure, we'll give you, you'll take those for the two. Yeah, if, if they're stupid and they do that, then fantastic. <laughs> so if, or if they want some of these stupid Laker players, if they like, hey, yeah, we'll take Kyle Kuzma. We'd love to have him next to um, Jer- uh, Jackson Jr. It's okay, take him, you know, take Brandon Ingram. They could have all those guys. If you could keep one of the picks and give them the players and get John ja Moran out of that, and yeah, but I, that's not going to happen. I mean, but hey, I think we've uh, buried the Lakers enough. I think we've covered, we've covered them from A to Z and I guess A to D as well. So the next time we get together, we'll be discussing those aforementioned New York Knicks. Um, again, as Kevin has told us, we, don't, we can skip the pleasantries at the end. You know who we are. David Grubb, Kevin Barrios, Ali Cosell, David Fisher, you can find us at thebirdrights.com. You can hear us on the bird calls. Share it, like it, love it. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Until then, let's go Pels. Thank you for listening to the bird calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi! So, about the kitchen. Turns out, when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Geico presents, yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.